Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest. She's a comedian and entrepreneur, and she's the founder and CEO of Plausible. And I really love her story of leveraging her unique skill set and talent to create value for her audience, create a living, control her time, income, uh, her emotional freedom, financial freedom, all of that. So, um, and I'm happy to welcome Leanne to the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I know we had connected through Podmatch and kind of, I like to set the stage, your early experiences kind of briefly and how that set you to where you are now. And we're going to dive right into the conversation. Awesome. Do you want me to tell you a little bit about how I got here? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us your backstory. So um, I've had an interesting, interesting journey uh, to entrepreneurship. I never set out to do that. So I had gone to school for business uh, and graduated and got my bachelor's in business. But I ended up going to UNLV. What a place to be, Las Vegas, when you're in your 20s, right? And and I ended up getting a bookkeeping job. And then a year later, I went to work for a Fortune 500. And I ended up being there for nearly 13 years. And during that time, I did a lot of public speaking and talking to people. And I ended up taking a comedy writing class in 2001. And I loved it. And then a coworker was like, you should really take like an improv class or something like that. And I was like, what? Um, turns out the Second City had a training center in Las Vegas. And I was familiar with Second City because I'm originally from Illinois. And um, and so I signed up for a class, loved it, fell in love with the whole improv comedy thing. I'm like, I'm going to take all of the classes, you know, here, take all my money. I took all the classes two and three times and loved it. And I traveled to New York periodically to take classes. I traveled to LA to take classes on my weekends and vacation time. And my friends in the theater that I met in New York, you know, they're like, are you ever going to move to New York? And I'm like, oh, I have a job I love. I have this home and all the, you know, I have a lot going on. So maybe not, but that would be my dream if I didn't have all this other good stuff. Well, lo and behold, I was laid off (laughs) after 13 years of being with this amazing company. Mm. And uh, I received a phone call from a friend who said, "Um, hey, I'm moving to New York this summer and I need a roommate. I found a place to sublet. You know, are you interested? And I said, well, I'll think about it. He says, you have one hour. I said, oh, okay." So I went for a walk. I came back. I'm like, I couldn't think of a reason why I shouldn't. So I said, I'm in. And a month later, I packed up two suitcases and moved to New York and um Ended up staying there and immersed myself into the whole world of comedy and acting for about nine years. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. I did some theater. I did some commercials. I did lots of comedy. I did improv. I ran an open mic. Um, You know, I did all these things unrelated to what I went to school for, right? (laughs) And and also all the things my parents were like, what are you doing? So, yeah. And then I ended up moving to L.A., And I found myself spending more time in traffic than I did on the stage. And that's where I started thinking, like, how can I solve this problem? And how as a comedian can I actually really start making money? Uh, Because contrary to popular belief, comedians usually don't get paid. And when we do, we don't get paid a lot. So I was like, how do I fix all that? And I started doing things online. And this was actually in August of 2019 BC before COVID. And some comedians were like, this is amazing. You know, why aren't you charging us for the for this and the open mics and stuff that you're doing? And and then COVID happened and everybody started using all the existing technologies and 
you know, video conferencing and stuff to do to do things. I mean, that's how we all stayed in touch, um, as you know. And although those those technologies are great and got us through the pandemic, they're really targeted more for general purpose use or business. And I was like, mm, if we could take some of these ideas, but really hone them in and tweak them and make them for performers, why aren't we doing that? You know. And mm -hmm. so I created uh, Plausible. The idea was planted the seed. And I ended up going back to school and getting my master's in innovation and entrepreneurship at uh, University of California, Irvine, and uh, got involved in incubators and accelerator programs so that I actually could scale it and and build a team and be around people in that whole entrepreneurial ecosystem to make, make it successful. A lot of people think Vegas is a party city, which I mean, a lot of people go there, but it's actually a yeah. great city for artists and entrepreneurs uh you know you want to start a restaurant or chefs um acrobat you know dancers um comedians yeah. you know um it's just a it's a vibrant city of entrepreneurship so most people don't know that but um you know what i love that city um yeah you, you made a funny comment you're like you're doing everything except the thing you went to school for which kind of questions the value of school these days but um <laughs> i can talk for at length at that yeah i have <laughs> Lots of questions about the education, but you know it's funny because I went back at at to to school for my master's um, at the age of fifty, yeah. and I was like, you know, I'd always thought to myself, maybe when I'm older I would want to go back to school. And then I got to this age, and I'm like, I was thinking about this, and I'm like, wow, do I really need it? You know? Yeah. I will tell you this: I am so glad I did it. Um, I don't know the value of it as an entrepreneur, <laughs> but I mean, in the sense of like, is it getting me a job? I don't know. I would hire me because, you know, yeah. I think I'm pretty cool. But <laughs> but what I really value about it is the network and, and the people that we meet because yeah. of it. Um, I think there's a value on that. But I will say this. I am a much better student at the age of 50 than I was at the age of 20 something <laughs> or at the end of my teenage years. And the other thing that I found that I loved about it is I could really put things in context, you know, when you do case studies and things like that. Um, it's just like, oh, Blockbuster, I lived through that. I still have a membership card here somewhere, you know, when you do all these things. But it, to be able to put things in context and actually have experience, because of course, when I was in New York, I held other jobs. I managed a theater. I did. Uh, I, I worked as a director of marketing at another company and stuff like that. And it all ties in eventually to owning your own business. So like I say, any any education, any job experience, really, um, I don't discount because at the end of the day, I'm wearing all the hats as an entrepreneur as I start this business. So I need to know some bookkeeping. I need to know some marketing. I need to know all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I really love the, the, the success stories of um, people that um, either public speakers or comedians that, you know, kind of made it and they were doing it on the side, just kind of learning their routines and um, kind of, you know, I guess your skits or, or you know, you're rehearsing your material, like testing it out. Um, so, yeah, one thing I have a question is about your creative process, because as a comedian, you're coming up with like new, like you're trying to incorporate like humor into everyday things and kind of you, what is your creative process? How do you put things together? Um, you know, how do you test it out? If it, if it fails, how do you bounce back from that? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's a, such a good question. Right. And I kind of think of it 
I think there's a lot of similarities between comedy and entrepreneurship. I think there's a lot of failures in both (laughs) that we have to recover from that make us really resilient. And I, with comedy for me, it's an expectation. I mean, not every joke I think of is going to land. In fact, most don't. I like to write a joke. um, And this is, I could go on for days about this, but okay. So my writing process, let's break it out. My writing process, I find that I can't just, I can, but it's really challenging to just sit down and be like, I'm going to write jokes, you know, Um, unless I have it in a habit. Like when I was writing my one woman show, I had a habit, a daily writing habit where I'd write for four hours a day, you know, in the morning, I'd block out these chunks of time. And that like, I would go to a coffee shop down the street in New York and I would sit there for hours. You know, I don't know if they appreciated that, but that's what (laughs) I did. And I did that for like a year, you know, and I did it all the time. And and in writing a joke, uh, I just have to like stream of conscious, let things come out. And, you know, sometimes we think we we live in experience, you know, like when we think our friends are funny and they tell a story of something happened, they're like, they're so funny. But if I put them on stage, they're probably not that funny because it's a different, you know, I'm paying 25 bucks and two drink minimum. Do I think you're funny as you would be in my living room if I knew you? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> because sometimes there's storytelling and sometimes there's joke telling. and and there's a difference. And so like when 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 I start or when I'm writing a show, I might write the truth of like a situation that happened. Uh-huh. But then I have to go back and I have to edit it over and over and over. And I have to, you know, kill my darlings, things that I think are great or something, but have no no place in the joke or make no sense or maybe doesn't make sense right now. And I have to set them aside. So I have to get really economical with my words because if I take too long to get there, I've lost the audience. People are getting up to go get a drink or go to the bathroom or check their phone. I have to have a laugh every so many seconds in a set or I lose people. And so there's a lot of rewriting. There's a lot of editing. And then often when I write, um, for me, I don't write in the the way I speak. Like if you ever translate, you know, a conversation with somebody, you know, on you know, one of those servant translation services after a podcast, you're like, what kind of word salad is coming out of our mouths? Yet it seems to flow so easily when we talk in conversation. But to read it is garbage, you know, because we don't speak like we read and we don't read like we speak. So when I write jokes, I then have to do a lot of open mic work and go to open mics and, and say those jokes aloud and hear how they sound. Because right off the paper, if I read a joke, it's probably not very good. I have to, you know, there's nuances, there's um, cadence and timing and enunciation and, um, and emphasis and all these different things that go into to play of, of delivering the joke. And so I may have written a joke that's workable, but I have to tweak it and play with it and body language and facial expression, all that play into it. And it's just a constant, you know, evolution. So it's kind of like a, a new business for me, like in, in building plausible, you know, I have a plan and then I have a budget <laughs> and then I have yeah. to see like how those things match up. And then I also have my users. So what in my mind is brilliant or a great idea. My users are like, what? I don't even know what you're doing right now. How do I use this? And then I have to go back and, you know, it's user experience and a joke is similar to UX. Like, is my audience getting it? Do they understand it? Are they laughing at the right place? Or are they just like off, you know, in another, you know, missing yeah. the point entirely. 
it's very similar to that. So it's definitely a process. Comedians who get get really good is because they're they're writing a lot and they're getting into their open mics and practicing. I think any art form, even doing my one woman show and writing that, it wasn't entirely, it wasn't all stand up or anything. It was me playing characters. And, um, you know, the first time I put my show up, it was a 25 minute to 30 minute show. Um, and that night, my director and I sat there and we're like, that didn't work. That didn't work. Rewrite, rewrite. Next week, show goes up again a couple more times, get more feedback from the audience, tweak this, throw this out, put this in. And then a year later, my show is now 55 minutes you know, and yeah. more polished and where I want it to be. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's never necessarily perfect. It's ongoing. It's a, it's a whole feedback cycle based on different people. And that was my very long answer. <laughs> oh, uh, no, actually, I love it. Cause um, I love talking to creatives such as yourself, cause you actually get a lot of insight from the creative process. Cause I was listening to this podcast the other day about Steve Martin and when he was first starting out he, he was just horrible but he just he was doing what you were doing just kind of refining and just kind of practicing it seeing what the response was and um, and you alluded to entrepreneurship which is really interesting because um, before the internet you know startups it was really hard you had to like raise um, venture capital or angel investing and you know basically in startup entrepreneurship it's um you have to increase your execution rate or your iteration rate so you basically each um execution you have to do it faster and faster and same thing with public speaking you know before like you had to like fly and you had to go here and there um you know drive in your car and you know practice but now with um after covid or bc or after after covid now you can get on zoom you can get on lives you, you can practice the whole day and that way your your, your material gets better and better i'm wondering if there's an equivalent to that in comedy because you mentioned like open mics but i'm just wondering if there's like you could reiterate your your um creative process much faster you know if you have any insights into that you mean online yeah because like oh, go ahead <laughs> okay so so my company plausible is exactly that so it's a a way to kind of level the playing field and make it more accessible to people yeah. and more um, easier for comedians to get their stage time. So to your point, uh, I don't by any means uh, intend to replace in person because there's a magic to in person. I think there's just a humanity to in person that can't be replicated. And yeah. I don't want to do that. But <laughs> there is a bridge, you know, like what about the in-betweens? What about people who don't have the luxury like I did of being laid off and then not mm. having family or, or obligation that I can just take two suitcases and move to New York City or mm. L.A., right? Mm. Not everybody can do that. So there's um, what I did is I created Plausible, which basically, if you think about um, like right now, you and I are, are talking on like a, a, a yeah. Zoom, right? But if, so you're familiar with this on plausible, we use all of our own technology um, that we customized for, for entertainment purposes. So when you log into plausible as a comedian, you get the scheduling tools, the calendar, you get to put in your show descriptions or your open mic or whatever it is. And you get to post it within plausible on our like marketplace for uh, think about it like Etsy. Etsy has sellers and yeah. buy, you know, people shopping. On Plausible, you have comedians and you have comedy fans. So as a comedy fan, you could go through and look through all the show listings. 
um, if you register for a show on Plausible, all the shows are on Plausible. So they're in real time. They're not pre-recorded because that would be YouTube, um, but they're in real time and live. And like Zoom, uh, we can see and hear each other right now in real time. You can see and hear the the comedians and the other audience members. So everybody can see and hear each other in the same place. Yeah. But um, the what's important about this is that as comedians, I need to know if you're laughing right now. Like I can't do audio delays. I can't, you know, wait until you like it on social. <laughs> like that just is like, what? Did you really watch it? Or were you, you know? So like hearing you laugh right now is valuable to me as a comedian. Like that's huge. That's what I need to know is my joke working um, and to see you. So even if you have your audio off, I can see the visual response. Right. And and also not everybody laughs out loud. So, you know, news <laughs> alert, you know, it, so it's important to have those those key factors play into performing. So even though I'm not in person in a club, I'm here you know, in my home venue, if you will, and I can perform. This is my stage. Like if I were doing any on-camera work for TV or anything, I just change what my stage is and I can still perform and have a live audience. And at the end of the show, as everybody logs out and the show ends, they are prompted to rate and review each performer in the show. So instead of, you know, if you go to a local club, you go on Yelp, but you're rating and reviewing the, the club you know, because yeah. comedians are just traveling through town. But here you're rating and giving feedback uh, to the actual performer. And then they get their star ratings and they move up the charts on the, you know, comedian directory. And you can sort by, you know, newest uh, that just signed up to the first person that signed up, their popularity, who's trending. You know, uh, you can sort by what kind of comedy people do. Do they, you know... Maybe no nobody wants to hear about politics these days as we go into an election year. I just want to hear about relationships. You know, <laughs> you can go through and see which comedians just talk you know about those things um, and kind of sort through and filter that way to your personal preferences. So yeah. there's a, there's a way now that the control is basically you know kind of going back to where we started with your initial question. This my platform gives the control to the comedians rather than to the venues, because if I want to go do it at a venue, you know, when I ho when I ran a mic in New York for seven and a half years, I would have to go find the venue, find out what night works for them, make that, you know, do that. But I'm plausible. Anybody, any comedian can go on here and be like, I'm going to do a mic tonight. I'm going to do mic tomorrow. I'm going to do every Sunday. I'm going to do this. And they do it. They can either do it for free. They can set their own ticket prices. They make the majority of the money off their ticket revenue, which like in a club, um, they usually don't do a split at the door unless you're a very well-known name, you know, yeah. um, but you get a flat fee. Or if you're a guest spot or no TV credits or something, you're basically, you know, oftentimes you have to barter for that and go out and bring paying customers in. And for every paying customer, you get one minute of stage time or, you know, you could maybe get some fries and a burger or something afterward. So this kind of puts the control that no matter it, you don't have to have a minimum number of followers. Like on YouTube, you have to have followers before you can get ad revenue. You're, you can sell one ticket and you're making the majority of the money. Yeah. And it's, and it sounds like um, what you're doing is um, you're scaling creative talent and you're creating a marketplace for that. 
um, mm-hmm. much like an Airbnb or Uber, except you're just is comedic talent. Sounds like, uh, and then you're making it democratized. So it's like, yeah, I don't have to know the club owner. I can just go to Ontario and I can start rehearsing and get better and better. And it kind of reminds me of the uh, online poker because like you would have to go to Vegas or these places, you know, Atlantic City to, you know, get experience. But with online poker, you just reiterate very quickly. And then that way your uh, level of skill, you know, dramatically increased. Um, yeah. Really interesting. And then one thing that is um, interesting is, um, so you talked about technology and one thing that's kind of on the horizon, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to touch comedy yet, but there's um, artificial intelligence, there's the metaverse, there's Web3. Um, how do you envision future of live comedy shows in person, or online and virtual live entertainment? Where do you see the uh, the future in this this question? Yeah, so... I love this question. I think there are a lot of possibilities. And I see that uh, I I don't think in-person is ever going away because, you know, it's just a human connection. Um, I do think that there are, and especially since COVID, and I appreciate COVID for the fact that people who may not otherwise got tech skills online have now have them and now have more of a comfort level and familiarity with new technology, you know, more willingness to try new technology. So yeah. I do see, I do see that happening. Um, you know, we already see changes in the streaming services and how they're going about releasing movies and, you know, whoever thought it would a, a movie theater wouldn't <laughs> be <laughs> open, right? Like that's a huge change. And yeah. I don't think, I think we're going to see more people. There's a convenience to being online, and I also, when it comes to the metaverse, I have, I'm fascinated by the metaverse. I've, you know, I have my Oculus. I, I go in there, I check things out. It's funny because everybody in there is walking around with their head tilted, looking at the wrist. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows what they're doing. But I, I think that's a, it's a possibility for sure. Cause it already exists. People are doing it. But as we've seen, uh, VR has been around for a very long time. It's had a very slow growth trajectory as people have worked through it. Um, I think now what my feeling is, is it's uh, there's some barriers. There's some economic barriers because it's expensive to buy the equipment mm-hmm. uh, and not everybody can do that. And I think there's also some technical there's it's high friction right now. So when I watch users online, as much as people have gotten familiar with stuff over COVID, it's amazing. Like how many people don't know what a browser is <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, I'm serious or, or like what my password and it's typos and we still have a ways to go. And so I think the, the things that are lower friction are going to move along much quicker. And even people who are tech savvy and even younger generations who grew up with tech, I find like they have less. I'm not, and this is a generalization. So forgive me for that. But I yeah. see that they, my, my experience has been uh, less patience and willingness to problem solve, but higher expectations of like, this should just happen. <laughs> and then you have people insert, you know, like a little bit older. Like I didn't always have tech, I didn't have my first cell phone until I was 30. You know, and I had to get up and change the TV channel. But there's a, a different level of problem solving willingness in order to figure things out where some people are like, it should just be one click, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I get it. I'm with you. But that's not always how it works. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's Gen Z. Gen Z's are like, yeah, it should just be like one swipe and that's like the goal. <laughs> yeah. So uh kind of ending it out, COVID-19 uh, forced a shift. You talked about tech. Um, you know, there's always like new tech is always like a learning curve. I'm always playing around experimenting and then kind of learning it and then thinking like what's how do I apply it? Like, you know, can I do this to a video or a podcast or um so how's the shift um influence the way you approach your craft uh and what lasting changes do you anticipate and um and kind of talk about how people can follow you um check out plausible um check out your work etc yeah how has it changed my path i never leave my desk like my body is now permanently shaped like an ikea chair that's (laughs) that's how it's changed my life or like well i've done a a couple like in-person public speaking things but Um, I typically do all of my stuff online right now, but that's because my primary focus is, is plausible. And I also see other people really integrating it more and more because they realize there's a convenience to it and there's a value to it. There, there's no geographic barrier. So as a performer, I'm able to reach people around the globe. For instance, just last night, I had last night we had a, a wide variety of people across the country and internationally, but we did a comedy contest and we had uh, someone from Japan. We had someone from Hawaii. We had someone from California, New York, New Jersey, you know, uh, Dallas, like you name it. People were all over. That's something that I see people really, really seeing the value in. With that, people can find me, obviously, on Plausible. Uh, and that's P-L-A-U-Z-Z-A-B-L-E because yeah. someone bought all the domains. Uh-huh. Uh, also, I like Z's. Uh, yeah. So yeah, plausible. But we're at plausible on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and you know, follow us there. We have uh, hundreds of comedians on the platform now, and even more fans. So yeah. lots of stuff to see. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And what a fantastic conversation around technology, uh, creative process. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, all of Leanne's resources will be in the links and show notes be sure to check out her socials give her a follow uh check out plausible as well and um with that thanks so much for coming on to the podcast thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed talking with you and of course it's always a pleasure talking about comedy (laughs) thank you